What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Thank you for joining us. It's a it's a it's a weird day. I guess that's really the synonym uh, I would I would call it. I mean, on one hand, the Eagles lose to the Jets. You don't ever want to see that when they have an opportunity to take one and get a game over San Francisco. And then you have you wake up today and you're like, damn, that loss sucked. But I also have game one of Red October. It's still Philly season. We're uh, we are in the driver's seat for a World Series appearance. We've been home field advantage. Wheeler's going tonight, and it's just kind of like you know, like a little little two face, little Jekyll and Hyde kind of uh, kind of situation on. So we're going to talk all about it today. Well, the first twenty minutes, we'll uh, break down the Eagles versus the Jets, and then we have Cameron Rupp, former Phillies catcher, coming on at twelve twenty. He's good buddies with uh, with Nolan and everything. He'll break down. You know, the Phillies, maybe we'll even get into the Ryan Sandberg situation way back in the day. If everyone remembers that, we just quit in the middle of the night. Um, so, yeah, so we'll get in all of that. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid uh, right now. No producer today, so we are producing. Again, Craig is off for the 17th time. Oh, my God. Week. Um, shout out to him. Makes 250K a year. But uh, you know what? Uh, things like off days are are more important. Unlimited PTO. I mean, that's what that's what they told us. So it's true. You know, yeah, we do have unlimited off days in the company. We do have a company policy called unlimited vacation, which has kind of been like the butt the butt of jokes in the past because it's like when when are we going to find time to take unlimited vacation anyway? You know, apparently yeah. Craig has found time. Good know, for Craig. Crazy. I mean, he makes two seventy five, right? Something like that. No, two fifty. Two fifty. I think oh, after January first, I think he gets his five percent incremental increase to two seventy five. Okay. Yeah. Cost of living upgrade. I'm sure while he's out there <laughs> hiking or doing whatever he's doing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Ryan Sandberg is not a name that I thought I would hear on the on the show. I think that's probably the first time that we've named that we've. Every every him. time a former Philly who played in the era of two thir- 2013 to 2017 comes on, you have to talk about Ryan Sandberg. You have to ask him about Ryan Sandberg waking up after Cole Hamill's charity event at four in the morning and being like, you know what? This 24 and 36 team, I'm, I I can't be a part of them anymore. Speaking I of um, yeah, speaking of charity events, the uh, pickleball tournament went off without a hitch, man. Yes, uh, I don't know if anyone listens to this who was at the the pickleball tournament. I really appreciate if you do, and if you were uh, the pickleball tournament at Bounce Pickle over the weekend uh, was very, very uh, went off with without a hitch. Well, there was a couple hitches, but there, but for the most part, it went out. Uh, we completed it. I'm happy it's over. Uh, but everybody who came out, thank you to the sponsors like Vidian, Fans of Philly, all those guys. Thank you to for people with the raffles like uh, Ocean's Casino and Die Hard Fan Philly. Everybody had fun. Thank you to Kenwood for donating beer. Thank you to Tuckdito for the food. It was a good time. Um, not a good time. Yesterday from about 4.25 to about 7.30, 7.45. Um, Kev, you, you you do your uh, your weekly column after everything. Uh, part of your immediate yeah. takeaways. What's one thing you looked at on Sunday and were like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really half asked that one. If we we're being honest, like in the second half, I was sitting there thinking like, Oh, this is terrible. Like there, you know how I say every week on the show, how I, I feel like I'm not really worried. I don't get worried during the game that they're going to lose. Like, I got, I don't sit there and think like, Oh, you know, they're, they, they're in danger of losing this game. Well, I felt that way yesterday. Did you? Cause I didn't, I still didn't, I still didn't feel in danger of losing. Maybe it's Zach Wilson. Maybe it's because I just believe in Jalen hurts, but yeah. at no point until the last drive that I was, I like, I, I, it felt like last night felt like the commies game last year when they lost for the first time. 
when everything went wrong. Yeah, and they had like the three. Yeah, where it just but what well that's my thing. It's like they started the misfortunes started at the end of the second quarter. You know, when they were driving there and they had a chance to double them up, getting the ball back, mm-hmm. and DeAndre Swift fumbled in the open field, you know, and I was like, Yeah, if, you know, here we go. Right. Um but I, I just I don't know. Jalen Hurts just didn't. It's funny, man, because we we sat here last week and we talked about him finally seeming to like the passing game was clicking. Okay, and then he's doing some things with his legs, and it looks like Hurts is Hurts, you know. And then uh, and then we get this. So I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a Brian Johnson thing. I don't know if it's a Jalen's just regressed kind of thing. I don't know if he's not just not seeing the field properly. I I really don't know. I mean, that's not going to stop other people and. And other outlets from, uh, you know, coming up with their reasons for it. But um, I just, I don't know. It seemed it seemed to me like, you know, they weren't able to establish the running game. They weren't able to control the clock. It's been a hallmark of what they've been over the last couple of games, right? Sort of like chew it up, you know, control. Yeah. And you know, and grind other teams down. And they and for whatever reason, either they didn't or they couldn't. I, I don't know how much of, of the factor, you know, the Jets being depleted in the secondary was those injuries. I wonder if that went into the game plan to just throw the ball as much as they did. But, you know, you don't get into a rhythm and you don't get into a groove when that's all you're doing. And then you have, like, Lane Johnson go out, you know, and so you have a backup come in to play right tackle. It's like, oh, we're passing every down now, you know? Um, I, I, the, the run-pass splits are, are always so – strange you know because you look at the final box score and it says 22 carries and uh 45 passing attempts so like what that's you know almost 60 66 and that's like two-thirds and a third right but that doesn't even take into account jalen hurt scrambles and whatnot i'm sure the the passing splits were more like 70 75 something like that looked like classic andy reed back in the day they just uh couldn't get the run game going or maybe they didn't didn't even try you know i think that's what was probably frustrating you know we make fun of this a lot, um, halftime adjustments, because people really, teams don't really make halftime adjustments. When they go into halftime for 15 minutes, a lot of times they just talk over like, hey, what went right, what went wrong. There's yeah. not like, they don't just completely 180 the game plan in 15 minutes. It just doesn't work. <laughs> no, no. But when Lane Johnson went out, there was no adjustment made. I mean, that's your all pro uh, right tackle right there. Mm-hmm. Jack Driscoll is getting absolutely annihilated. But there was no adjustment from Brian Johnson, from Nick Sirianni. I don't, I'm not convinced that Brian Johnson is calling 100% of the plays. I feel like Nick Sirianni might have his hand too much in it. And maybe it's, beca- it's becoming something that um, might, you know, that hasn't, that, uh, that, that won't be good going into the future. Like there was that weird that we keep bringing it up. I, I think I brought it up for like the last three shows it was like that weird call uh, that weird press conference answer from both Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni after the game about like who calls plays on that third and 11 call. I, I forget who was it was. I think it was right after the Bucks game. Talking about that um, third, third and 11 where they ended up running, running it or, or something. Yeah, whoever that- they, whoever they played after the Bucks yeah. game. I can't even remember two weeks ago, let alone three weeks ago. My mind, well, was, my brain is made of mush. That was Washington, right? It wasn't Washington the fourth game. You're right. I think, yeah. I, I think you're right. It's Washington. just like, I just, I, I hate to do this, but like between the injuries, between the play on the field, between losing Shane Steichen, shout out to Sean Desai. Sean Desai had a great game last night. But between all that stuff, this is not a Super Bowl team where we are expecting a Super Bowl team because in the next couple of years, 
that's when Jalen Hurts' contract kicks in. Yeah. We're going to have to pay a bunch of other guys. Yeah. Like, Devon, uh, Devontae Smith has to has to get paid and stuff. So, like, we need these next year, year and a half for them to play like a Super Bowl team. And it's so much different than last week because I know you see uh, you see San Francisco beat up on, on the Cowboys, 42-10. And I still yeah. felt like the Eagles could compete with them. And after yesterday... Even if that Jets defense is probably the best defense they're going to see this season, I just I don't think we have the creativity and we have the coaching staff to win. Like, well, I, and then I, so you're asking you're you're asking yourself how much of that was the Jets defense versus the Eagles just kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, I mean they missed a field. Okay, so they missed a field goal. Here, I'll write it down. We'll make an exercise out of it. Missed field goal. We're going to have the the chat help us out with this. How many of the mistakes were their own doing? Missed field goal. Fumble. Shoot. Fumble. Uh, the, the DeAndre Swift fumble? Yep. Okay. I, I can't say that Dallas Goddard interception was anyone's fault. That was really a good play. Ball. Yeah, okay. So hang on. We'll, make, we'll put that in the other column. Goddard over here. I will say that the two Devontae Smith drops were self-inflicted. The Kenny Gainwell drop was self-inflicted. Jalen Hurts interception, the second one, um, or the you know the one at the end of the game. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the Jets played that. Well, there's a quote with uh, what's his face and Jocena Anderson where they were like, "Oh, I'm going to step into the B gap and then I'm going to kind of shade off and like he's going to throw it there." We'll put that one in the middle, like Hurts. You know, give the Jets some credit. Look, the point point being is that I'm not above giving the Jets credit, um, but they are the Eagles also marched down the field on the first. <clears throat> drive and shoved, shoved it down their throats and scored a touchdown there. So I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know why it's like, I don't know what happens after that. It's like the old Andy Reid scripting of the first drive or something. Then they kind of fall, fall apart after that, you know? So I thought, but I thought it was more self-inflicted. A lot of mistakes that they made. Um, you know, I think when you go back and look at like the Washington game last year, you had the Dallas Goddard, like that face mask that wasn't called, but you also had like a Quez Watkins, I think like drop and, or uh, like a long catch. And then he fumbled, got stripped from behind or something like that. I thought most of what they did was probably, I thought this was more about the Eagles just, you know, shooting themselves in the foot than the, than the Jets uh, defense winning. That's not, I mean, taking credit away from them, but just by doing this quick exercise, like I think we have more in the column of uh, self-infliction than, than the other column. I see. I disagree with you on that. That Jets defense is so good with, with or without those injuries. I mean, we had injuries on our side of the ball in the offensive line, but they had, you know, three, four cornerbacks that were out. That's a legit defense, and the fact that they're continue to run Zach Wilson out there is a complete disservice to the team. I mean, imagine if they could have pried Kirk Cousins, or imagine they could even pry Jameis Winston. I would take Jameis Winston over Zach Wilson. Like, so, so how much? Again, I feel like I'm just repeating myself here. Though, you think the Jets' defense is that good that they're four turnovers, think, three drops, and one missed field goal good? They were they won the turnover battle for nothing. Uh, yeah, but again, it's like uh, we just did the exercise. I mean, we said some of the turnovers weren't even were, were like the Eagles. One of the, one of the turnovers had, wasn't there, wasn't their fault. I three mean, drops had nothing to do with the Jets' defense being good. A missed field goal had nothing to do with the Jets' field goal being good. You know, I mean, but they were still know. all around. They were still all around Jalen. Jalen did not look like he had any time back there. He did not look like he was comfortable back there. I well, let's they were, talk about let's talk about that because if I got to see Jalen Hurts vacate the pocket early, run to his right. And like haul ass towards the sidelines again. I'm gonna lose my fucking mind because I feel like that's all he does. Like it feels like we're seeing more of that. 
um, there was one play in this game where I remember he he wanted to like ditch the pocket and go to his right, and then he paused and he cut back and he ran through a wide open hole on the other side and stepped into the pocket and and came clean up the up the pocket. So that's the thing. It's less of he he's just got this this. I need to see him step up into the pocket or trust the pocket a little bit more. He was and he was doing this before Lane Johnson even went down. I mean, we've seen it in recent weeks where it's like as soon as he feels anything, it's like boom, I'm out, you know. And I'm like, here we go. Jalen Hurts is running for his life towards the sideline again. Yeah, but he keeps That's his true. eyes downfield, and I think he's really good at that. He had that one where he stepped up in the pocket. He was about to run right before the line of scrimmage. He threw it to Devontae Smith about 20 yards down. Devontae Smith dropped it. He had that one that was awesome. That stiff arm on Michael Carter. Michael Carter the second, I think it was. They have two Michael Carters on the team. Did, and then he yeah. hit uh he hit AJ Brown, I think, for a first down with us. That was beautiful. Yeah. The one to Kenny Gainwell would have been a completion. Was amazing. Yeah, the, the Gainwell one should have been. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm not I'm it's not about it's not necessarily about the results of all of that. It's like it's just it, it feels like he's just quick to vacate again. I felt like he was doing that in his first season. I felt like that was rookie jail in there where it's like don't trust the protection, and then you're gonna bail out and and horse like you gotta bail, you gotta bail. I just want to see him step up first. Even then, he can let the defensive ends go by him, step and then slide, right? He's going back and around and making these huge, like, looping, like, like arcing runs towards the sideline. And, like, I get it. He's athletic enough to make it work, but it just does – something about it bothers me. It's like, man, if you just – like, I know you got a backup in there, two backups in there, but you can trust it for an extra second. He's shown he's been able to, you know, take a hit here or there, step up in the pocket, step into a throw, or even get out vertically, you know? I guess it just – I don't know. It, it just feels like he's he's like vacating too quickly. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because he thinks he can make plays in space or if because he doesn't trust the dudes in front of him. Oh, definitely when Jack Driscoll came in, he definitely abandoned all hope. He abandoned all hope that he would have a clean pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jack Driscoll got turned around 180s, 360s, all that. I don't know where Tyler Steen fits in here. I don't know who plays right tackle next next week because it looks like uh, Lane will be out a couple weeks, but we need stat. We need uh, Jeff Driscoll to go to Stoutland University. You know, going back to your your Jalen point there, like I'm I'm okay. Like as long as he keeps looking downfield and he's not trying to just run the ball every time when he breaks contain or breaks the pocket and everything, I'm yeah. probably fine with him looking down looking down the field. And uh, and he had a couple opportunities there. Um, what's another gripe you had from your uh, from your? The, uh, oh, let's see. Mark Sanchez was being a pain in the ass. Uh, too many commercials. Are we talking about football things or not football things? Take yeah. it wherever you want. Um, well, I mean, I think the, the, I think my gripes are more of a larger level kind of thing where we watch San Francisco lose, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, the Eagles have a chance to kind of grab this and, and, you know, give themselves some cushion for the, for home field here in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's not too early to start looking ahead at that. It's only a 17 game season and the same people who say, well, it's only week six. Can't be worried about seeding. Well, I mean, you've already played 29% of the year, you know? So, um, you know, I you think that Dolphins, would, you got the Dolphins coming next week. Yeah, especially when you look at that schedule coming up, man. That's murderous row. I mean, you got the Dolphins, you got the Commanders, who are always a pain in the ass. You've got the Bills, you've got the Chiefs, you've got uh, Dallas. Still got to play that. You got to play San Fran. I mean, holy fuck. So, you know, that's what I think was more disappointing. I, I, like, I every we we were everybody who listens to this show, you and me, everybody in the chat, like everybody here knows that they had not played a complete game this year mm-hmm. and they had not put it together yet. So nobody, I don't think anybody's really surprised by this. Um, you know, this is less like them losing to the the commanders last year when, you know, everybody wanted to, was then ready to fire Jonathan Gann. And I think we're probably expecting this one, but it's more of like what it means overall, where I feel like they just missed an opportunity here. Yeah, yeah next week will be big where it's like, how do they bounce back? 
you know, because this is the first real test. This is the first real complete team that they're playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm nervous, man. I really, I am, I'm usually pretty optimistic when it comes to like the birds and everything. I think people who freak out and think the sky is falling, um, just, you know, are, are, are getting way too ahead of themselves right now. But like, it was just so much stuff that went weird. I mean, even that last drive that, that throw to AJ Brown was a pretty clean pocket for, for Jalen overthrows him, almost gets picked off. And that's how you start the last drive. I mean, the, the last drive started how it, you know, how the game kind of went, just not, you know, yeah. on, the, on, on the, on the right foot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think like they were just, you know, the two, uh, I, look, I mean, Jack Driscoll got beat on the one where, you know, he, he they got Jalen Hurts on the arm, kind of just, it looked like a Brock Purdy, right? Went flying up in the air. Okay. Give the Jets credit for that one. Uh, the first one, you know, again, that was a great play where they, they, they blitzed and that was actually the perfect play. They had the perfect play call for that because they blitzed the whole left side and they got Dallas Goddard on a tight end screen and they had three blockers out in front against one dude and the one dude just happened to kind of like torpedo it and strip the ball. I mean, that, that play would have went for 15 yards minimum. So yeah, those for those two, I would I would certainly credit the Jets for that. I think uh, you know the one that Swift fumbled was probably more on him. And I think the last one on Jalen was on him too. But I don't I, I don't know. There wasn't you know those Devonte Smith drops are uncharacteristic. I mean, he's got great hands. It's funny too because he goes up and grabs the the one with the one hand in the in the first quarter, which is like an impossible grab, and he comes down out of bounds, and then he he drops two that he should never drop. So my hope is that they just get it all out of their system. You know, it's like if you're going to be shitty, be really, really shitty and just like flush it and whatever. And I mean, typically they're pretty good with that, you know, like just kind of when you're going to be bad, be really bad. Just get it all out of there. Have you, if you're going to turn the ball over, turn it over four times and then just, um, you know, come back, come back differently. You know? How worried are you about the late, the late game play calling? And it feels like it goes back to the Super Bowl when Nick kicked that field goal instead of going for it on, on, on yeah. fourth and down to to uh, to put the, the Chiefs away. That third and nine call, and that was the interception that um, that Jalen yeah. threw, and it got it down to the you know inside the ten. They score on the next play. They let him score, I guess, really. But you run that ball. You have about a minute twenty left on the clock. Zach Wilson isn't moving the ball. Your defense is standing on its head. Um, they might be gassed. Don't get me wrong, but still, your defense is, is is the reason why you guys are still in this game. I mean, you didn't score one single point in the second half. Are you were you okay with that play call on third and nine if they get a first down and Nick Sirianni said the game's basically over? But I mean, I, I say all the time, you know, let Zach Wilson beat you. You know, yeah. I mean, normally I would I would err on the side of aggression and be like, hey, if you can end it right then and there, do it. You know, right? Mm-hmm. So you're saying third and nine. It was at the Philadelphia 46, 150 left in the game. Shotgun. Mm-hmm. Short pass left intended for Goddard intercept. Yeah, um, right. But I agree with you because up until that point, the Jets hadn't done – they'd done diddly-poo. They had gone – go in reverse here. They got punt, punt, field goal, punt. Right. I mean, so they had only three points in the second quarter up until – And that was off of two game. turnovers too. They didn't yeah. capitalize. They had, what, three points off of – off of two turnovers, their I guess. drives were gross. Their drives were like like forty yards, thirty yards, eighteen. And every yards. time they did something, Alan Lazard would uh, blindside block someone, and they'd go back fifteen yards. It's like yeah. they, they, they just a, were shooting themselves in the own foot. It was like who shot them? Who had less bullets to shoot themselves in the foot? I know, it's like they had a howitzer, like a Gatling gun. They turned it, faced it downward, and they just unloaded. And it's like, well, we're they empty. were playing Russian roulette, and it was like, all right, Jets, you got the gun now. All right, slide it over to the Eagles. All right, they got the gun now. All right. Here's the here's the most pathetic thing. We can end on this before we switch it over to the Phillies and get Cameron Rupp on here. Um, 
the Jets final two scoring drives of the day were 10 plays, 16 yards, four, four forty-five for a field goal. And then one play, eight yards, four seconds, where they just let them score. So I, it's enough of that. Uh, let's get it back to the Phillies now. Let's get it back to the Phillies, a team that we can smile about. It brings a smile to my face. It brings a smile to everybody in Philadelphia's face. And let's get on Cameron Rupp, the former Phillies catcher. Cam, man, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. No, what's up, guys? Um, <clears throat> thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, you, you guys are talking about a 5-1 and one Eagles team, and you're all upset. <laughs> and I got the Dallas Cowboys that are just ruined my weekends. Yeah, yeah, let's one. Let's just be upset. Yeah. So, so what do we got today? Do we have Phillies on TV one, Cowboys on TV two, or Cowboys on TV one, Phils on TV two? It's going to be flipping back and forth. Uh, It's you know, I think the Phillies game, playoff baseball trumps regular season football for me. So, um, especially with some of the guys that I I played with, uh, caught and uh still keep in touch with so you know those are my guys i'm gonna i'm gonna be paying a little bit more attention to what's going on there at citizens bank tonight no i love that i mean how how are you taking in the games like what are you seeing are you nervous on the couch watching you know you played with reese and you played with uh with Knowles and stuff and you caught Knowles and everything i mean what's the from a from a guy who's played in philadelphia who's experienced this crowd and Obviously, you know, those seasons weren't the way we wanted them to go, but like now you see it and now you knew about it and now you like can like definitely picture it. What's it like to see this crowd and what's it like to see these guys like kind of just, you know, go out there and just. Yeah, so we never got to play in front of this kind of crowd. I mean, come on. But, um, you know, even when I was drafted and uh, got to experience a couple of games when during some of those good years in 2010 and, and 11, I was I got to experience some of those games and I knew what it was like, you know, I of course hoped to be able to play in it and unfortunately other circumstances and it didn't work out that way, but um, that's a passionate fan base. I actually still talk to uh, the head clubby and he says it's earth shaking. He's like, it was, it was awesome in 2008 and, and nine and, and, but it's completely, it wasn't like this. And so being able to, to watch and, you know, literally, feel it from my couch and it's pretty special yeah can you compare it to anything i mean you, you played ball at texas and obviously like the big 12 sec area all the all the the rust belt area is a big baseball um haven for you know great crowds and everything i know you've played in the uh the college world series but is there any you know i'm not looking to be like is there any fan base you can compare to no phillies fans are the greatest thing in the world like is, <laughs> do you remember like what that like what this craziness like does to a player or maybe like a team when they come into the, a stadium like that. Yeah. I mean, it's emotional, you know, and I think, uh, I think kind of, you can go back to Reese last year, who's, I can tell you is not an emotional guy. Like he, he's, he's a great dude. He's, he's a very quiet, he's happy go lucky. But like when he hit that Homer last year and threw his bat, I was like, wow. I didn't know there was that side of him. You know, there's the exciting, the emotion, but he took that to a completely different level. And um, I think Trey, the same way, you know, I played against him when he was in Washington. Bryce has always been an emotional player since, you know, anybody can remember. I played against him in the minor leagues and then also um, in the big leagues as well. And, you know, it, it just takes it to a whole nother level. It becomes – Playoff baseball, I played it, it for a national championship at Rosenblatt. And that, I mean, 
that that was as close to playing in the big leagues as I think you'll get in playoff baseball. You know, it's half the size of the crowd, but it's still the emotion that a player gets. Um, a crowd can have clearly an effect on a player, good or bad, um, if you can handle it. You know, you can never let the moment get too big. And I don't think any of these guys have let that moment get too big for them, especially this postseason. They're also a really likable team. And, I mean, look, like Kyle and I don't know them personally, right? I mean, like Mm -hmm. we're not around them or their families. We're not in the locker room or whatever. But at least from what we can see and from what we can tell and the the locker room celebrations, the way that they treat the fans and the media, um, just the way they carry themselves, it's it's honestly hard for me to remember a Philadelphia team in any sport that seemed to have – so many guys who just kind of like the, the fans just get it. Like they kind of vibe together. Um, do you see that from, from where you are? Yeah. And I'll tell you what that recipe is winning. I no, mean, winning okay. solves everything. It really does. Uh, because if you look, you know, the 2018, 19 teams, a lot of the same players are still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not all of them. There's still a few, and they 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 were on the verge of it, right? And, and you know, there's manager changes, there you know, some front office changes. But you start winning, those guys, man. It, it's fun going to the ballpark every day. It's not fun when you lose. Um, and so, you know, when 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 you're pulling games out, you're winning run one run games, um, coming from behind. All those things bring you together, and winning is that recipe. And that, that brings you to, uh, you know, guys are spending more time together. They're, they're hanging out of the ballpark a little bit longer. They're, you know, so when you're losing, it's like, God, get me out of here. It's not like, <laughs> I don't care well, how much money you're making or what it, your stats are like. Losing, it ain't no fun. No, no part of it is fun. And I hate it. It doesn't matter if I'm playing ping pong. I hate losing. Right. And it's in. That's a, that's a huge part of it, and so you, you know, winning is contagious, just like hitting. You learn to win, you learn to hit, you learn to pitch. You do, you learn how to win as a team, and when you do that, you're in. You, you got a recipe for exactly what you're what what's going on right now. I was um, looking at just you know some preview stories for the NLCS. You know, Phillies Diamondbacks first game is tonight at eight oh seven. Just kind of getting the lay of the land of like what other people thought about the series and whatnot. I was looking at an article from The Athletic and from ESPN and from Fox. And I kind of did a tally of how many people were picking the Phillies versus how many people were picking Arizona. The tally that I got just in looking at those three articles was 35 people picking the Phillies to win the NLCS and one person picking the Diamondbacks to win. I, I, it just makes me uncomfortable. It makes me a little nervous. I don't know why. I think Philly fans have this like inferiority complex. Like we're never really favored. Like I think we just default to the to the underdog thing, you know what I mean? Because it's easier to maybe motivate yourself that way. But like, there's a lot of love for the Phillies out there. And, and I wonder if you, if you think that that's accurate or if the, or if Arizona can really give them a run here. No, I, well, I mean, one, you got to look at <clears throat> Arizona has been playing for their life since what about two weeks left in the season. Yeah. That's a dangerous animal. You know, that they're, they're competing, they're playing, uh, they've been playing meaningful baseball for a month now where, and not that the Phillies haven't, but you know, they had a pretty comfortable cushion. They clinched a playoff spot, you know, not early in the season and the, at the end of the year, but 
with a little bit of time to spare and and Arizona clinched it what a day or two before the last game so yeah you know that's that's a scary animal you know and they took down one of the best teams in baseball um you know Phillies and Brave I mean both Philly Philadelphia and Brave could argue two of the best teams in baseball and that lineup that uh this pitching staff Philadelphia shut down is you know what they did was pretty special. So I mean, you're you're talking about two dangerous animals that are about to go head to head. One's kind of a Cinderella story, which everybody loves one of those, right? And then you got one team that's that's got got the dudes now, right? Like you, you got a, a couple guys over there in Air, in uh, Arizona that have a little bit of experience. Evan Longoria is kind of probably the guy that that has every World Series experience, postseason experience. He can kind of. He's a guy that uh, that guys follow that listen. You know, he can give experience, um, and they got a lot of young young talent. Whereas Philadelphia is a bunch of dudes, man, that have won World Series that have played in the postseason. So it's experience versus a a, a Cinderella story, and and I, I mean, you know who I'm pulling for, but you know, <laughs> it's you know those guys they're dangerous. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like this Diamonds back Diamondbacks team is kind of like the Phillies from last year, like a like a Cinderella story that everybody mm-hmm. can get behind. But I also still feel like everybody can get behind the Phillies because, like like you said, they're just a bunch of dudes. I think if people then go deeper level and service level and they see the Phillies fans and they see how cocky we are right now, we are the cockiest motherfuckers in all the nation. <laughs> it's amazing. That's when I think you kind of. Yeah, you you kind of look to see like okay, screw these guys and everything. But that's funny that way. If you were um, if you're behind the dish for the Diamondbacks today, mm-hmm. how would you catch this game if you if you if Zach Gallon was thrown to you? So I'm picking probably two guys in Philadelphia's lineup, and I said they are not beating us. Mm-hmm. And I was Nick Cassianos and Trey Turner. I said I don't care what is going on. These two are not going to beat us. Bases loaded, big situation. It's maybe a, a, a three-run game. Walk them. Go ahead. It, we'll we'll play for, but we are not letting these guys beat us. Okay, and you know that Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, um, Kyle Schwarber, right? They're very very dangerous hitters. But right now, Nick and Trey are are two of the hottest hitters in baseball. Even Bryce to an extent, but I think you can you, you can make pitches to Bryce. You, you got a uh, you know a lefty come in, maybe be able to shut the door on him. Um, but I'm not letting those two guys beat me. Period. They're they're hitting for they're they're doing damage. They're getting on base. Um, that, those are the guys, and and I think too, you know, there's there's some experience in that Diamondback dugout, and they're going to have. Probably a very similar game plan. They're not gonna. There's gonna be a couple guys. They're not gonna let them beat us. You know, uh, they'll turn that lineup over as much as they can, Philadelphia. Um, but that's that's. But the Diamondbacks are gonna try to not do turn that over because then you get um, what Schwarber leading off, Trey hitting second, Nick, Harper. Then you got JT. Your first five guys, like I said, are dudes. Mm-hmm. And then you got Boom, who could explode at any point. Yeah. You know, you have guys that can really at any point go. 
-hmm. And so you just have to be careful. But you, I'm not letting two guys beat me. If any, if anybody else beats us in that lineup, okay. But those guys, we are not letting. Especially Nick right now. Nick is hot. I do think it's. I find it hilarious that uh, Evan Longoria is playing in the World Series. He played in the 2008 World Series against the Phillies. I know. He was 23 years old back then. He's 38 now, you know? Um, 38 now, yeah. And, 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 I, you know, I'd love what? to have a career. Yeah, I mean, anybody would love to have a career that long mm-hmm. and that successful. Absolutely. Um, it's Absolutely. funny because there's, there's not really anything to hate. Like, last series was very easy because there was a lot, a lot to hate about the Braves or a division rival or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything against the Diamondbacks. I can't find anything to be mad about. The mascot's kind of corny. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's a rattle. The Diamondbacks are rattlesnake. That doesn't make much sense. Yeah, but I get like a bobcat. You can't have a snake for a for a, a mascot. Kyle right. is Kyle is in Twitter jail still actually because he threatened to kill the Braves mascot. So we're trying to get him out of it's Twitter. Unbelievable! Yeah. Unbelievable! It's hysterical. You can't. What is his name? Boomer? Boop Looper. But he might as well be a boomer. Right. But I mean, (laughs) he started it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But it's like, it's like uh, the Astros guy, the Astros. Mm -hmm. Orbit. You know, I mean, Orbit. Yeah. They're hysterical. And then, and and the fanatic, if you don't love that guy, I mean, one of my favorites to this day to watch. The things he does with interacts with the fans, and you never guess. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything to hate the D backs for. I mean, Tori Lovello had a thing earlier this year where he was yelling at JT Realmuto after uh, I think Corbin Carroll was hit or something like that. That's oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah, that's that's a manager's job stick up for your players. Um, and and in the fire, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna say the same thing, it doesn't matter where I'm coaching, you always stick up for your players. And you got to remember, too, there's grown men. These players are they're men. That's not boys out there. So, you know what? The dog barks at them. You're going to fight back. Well, and I think in that game specifically, I think the D-backs scored like five unanswered runs after that whole episode. So whatever the – whether we liked it or not, it was effective. I do have to ask you, man. It's funny because you were, you were here during a time where um, – you know, obviously, fan interest was was waning. They're coming off a big run that the Charlie Manuel years, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of turnover and whatnot. Could you imagine you playing here? Could you have ever, at any point, pictured fans giving somebody a standing ovation to break them out of a slump like we no. witnessed with with, no. with Trey Turner? No, because I tell you what, I'd have loved one. <laughs> it'd have been nice to get one of those. Maybe it'd have helped. Maybe it. Oh, maybe I've been too nervous. I don't know, but. Uh, no, I mean, that, that just shows the, the passion for the players and one, that dude's going to be there for a while. So they better go to like him, Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I think those guys there appreciate it. You know, it's not easy when you're struggling. I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody can say, Oh, you know, tune out the noise. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a game, you know, tune out. That's still their life. That's how they I don't care how much money you're making, how much anything. You're feeding your family. It's your job. You you're supposed to be successful. You're struggling. It ain't easy going to the ballpark every day feeling that. So when you get reciprocated for your effort, for your plays, you the way and it ain't going your way, but they still show that, hey, 
we're here for you. We got your back. Like it takes a little bit of weight off a of guy's shoulders. And I, obviously, you know, Trey's turned it on since then. And I know you have a good relationship with Knowles. Um, I don't know, you know, how much you, you've talked to him recently and everything, but, you know, he had kind of an up and down season and everything. And before the season, it was like, you know, they were the Phillies and him were, were, were far away on contract uh, and everything. So he's kind of pitching for his his next deal right now. And he's been very solid during the playoffs so far. Have you talked to him recently? Have you, have you, you know, spoken with him uh, how he's doing and everything? I text with him. I shoot him some texts here and there. Congratulate him and tell, you know, you no, know, I think it, me and him, we were for three years, you know, I caught 75, 80% of his starts. Um, so, you know, we, uh, we, we still keep in touch. Just congratulations. I don't, I don't get into a lot of his uh, personal. That's not that's not for me. Um, I just enjoy watching him pitch. Enjoy watching him compete. Um, you know, I'm proud of him. Proud of him for 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 the success he's had. The he goes out there and he's. I've said this for a long time now. He's the same guy no matter what, and that's hard to do. Um, it's a really impressive. The, the moment's never too big for him. You can't even tell if his heart's beating out there sometimes. And there's, yeah. you know, he, he's in, he's in, he's in attack mode, and it's just like he's sitting in a rocking chair. Is, is that what he's like? He's like, because you're you're a hundred percent right. You're just like, he gives up a home run. You're like, does he care? He strikes out the side. It's like, does he care? He's just even keel the entire mm-hmm. time like is he, that- never, he never lets the moment get too big for him he 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 understands you know how to not let that snowball effect happen right he he you never see i mean he gets hit around he got hit around a little bit this year mm-hmm. but he never he never seemed to allow it to just go 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 right like it it, it once that snowball got rolling downhill he was able to manage it, you know, and I think that there's a lot to be said about that. And a guy that goes out after having an up and down year that can just you – know, it's playoff time, here we go, and really get down to it. Mm-hmm. I got to ask you, when you look back at your time in Philadelphia, you know, obviously there's a lot of moving parts. You know, Charlie Manuel left, I think, the first year. First. You were, yeah, okay. And then uh, Ryan Sandberg comes in. He departs. Pete McCannon comes in. I don't know. It was just a transitional period for the team, really. I mean, do you look back and do you, I don't know, regret that at all? I mean, do you wish you were here to, during a different era, or you know, how do you how do you just see that in general? No, I mean, I got to spend five seasons in the big leagues. I don't care where it is. What it is that's still pretty special. Um, you know, you talk about the history of the, of the game. How many people have played in the big leagues, right? And, and so I got my opportunity. Uh, I feel like I made the best of, of the situation. It's like I, was, I talked to uh, some former players uh, that played before me. You know, in 2015, we went through – well, even – 2015, we went through a complete um, front office change from the president to the general manager to the manager yeah. to the coaching staff. That all changed um, – and then it, it just, you know, that's that's some some guys don't even experience in a career, let alone in three months. We experienced it when Rhino stepped down, Pete took over. Uh, I think Ruben 
stepped down, resigned, stepped down, got fired, something. And then uh, uh, Pat Gillick was um, leaving, uh, and Andy McPhail stepped in. Matt Klantak, Pete took over the, the manager job. Um, a lot of moves going on in, one, yeah, yeah. In, in a very short time with a lot of young players. Um, a lot of players, that was in 2015. That was my first full season. Um, and that's a lot for a lot of a lot of players. You had Chase departing, Cole departing. Um, Chooch. Chooch, he left in 16. Um, Cliff Lee, he was injured, so he was gone. You had a lot of that experience was leaving uh, all from all the, the World Series teams and uh, that run that they made. So it kind of all, you know, you wh- where does a young player turn, right? Does he go to the manager mm-hmm. who just quit, quit or left? You could say it. You could say it. We said it. I mean, that, that's what happened. He's just said, you know what? I'm done, boys. I got it. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Hope you don't lose 100. <laughs> I think we had to win three out of the last four against the Mets just to not lose 100. And we did. And, I mean, we might as well throw a party because that was that was like the greatest win ever. <laughs> lose 100. And then one thing, John Middleton – comes in and he's a completely new owner. And I think that happened in like 2016. So you're like three, four seasons in. I think he took the majority. He took over yeah. the majority. Yeah. He was already in the ownership, yeah. but he took over the majority. And uh, what a great job he's done. He, he's made it no secret. I'm here to win and yeah. I will pay what could, I have to. Could you, could you see those seeds being planted kind of when you talk to John? Because like in Philadelphia, it's really hard to like the billionaire owner. But John Middleton has done an, an exceptional job, and obviously winning ha- helps with that and everything. But he's like out there in front of the people. He's th- I don't know if you saw the videos. He's throwing baseballs yeah. into the stands and everything. Oh, yeah. Like he seems like he kind of just gets it. Like, could you see, like, from your conversations with him and everything, that like, okay, this guy wants to win, and he could be the right guy for the job or for the ownership, I guess. Yeah, no, he wants to win. Um, he he's he's kind of got that drive to win and that want to win. Um, at all costs, just like any player does. Um, he's a, he's a very approachable guy. He, he's, you know, he, I, I can't speak for what's going on now up there. Um, cause I don't really know, but I mean, he, he, when we were in spring training, he was around, he was always interacting with players, just getting to know guys, um, always through a, uh, an owner's dinner during spring training where the guys are, they're all out there to, the whole organization, every from top to bottom, from the rookie ball team to the front office and the owners of the, of the big league club, they're all everybody's there to get to know each other, spend some time together, have a have a meal, have some drinks, whatever, just enjoy enjoy one another. And and I think doing that, I mean, that shows the interest in the club and the organization from top to bottom, and not just the top. I got one more for you. Um, it's actually not a baseball question, but you're a big Texas guy. Um, mm-hmm. I hate Texas going to the SEC. Um, I'm wondering how you feel about that. Um, it's I well, it's kind of a love hate deal right now because I thought I think it needs to happen. One, and it, it's strictly business. That's this whole thing is is strictly business, 
they could they could care less about the kids at school. They care it's strictly to make money. Okay. But when Texas AM went to the SEC, it it really hurt the recruiting. And it all this is what it all stems from. Because if you really pay attention to what Texas has and in terms of baseball programs, football, basketball, Texas Tech, Baylor, Texas, Texas A&M, you could name them, TCU now, you can name them. You didn't have to go far. They're everywhere here. But now A&M leaves, guess who enters the conversation with all those kids getting recruited? Florida, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi. So now those guys have to recruit against A&M. Does that make sense? Yeah. They don't – They those schools got their handful of big-time recruits. They got a, a few from Texas here and there. But now they've brought all those schools into the picture. So now Texas is not only recruiting against Texas Tech, Baylor – Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Houston, um, all those schools. Now they're recruiting against Georgia, Alabama, um, Florida, LSU, all those teams. And it's like, hey, what what do we got to do to be able to – like, and and the the Big 12 is kind of just – yeah, Kev's Kev's a West Virginia guy. Yeah, I'm a West Virginia guy. I I mean, it's kind of – gone downhill i mean it's yeah don't even get me started on the g i feel like you and i could probably do an entire separate podcast just on this topic alone yes yes, like our closest rival was like uh in the conference like iowa state it was like 800 miles away yeah i mean now now you got like now you got like Rutgers playing ucla in the big 10 it's just yeah that that doesn't make any sense to me i mean it's it, it you know i i'm i'm i hate the sec bias that comes with everything because you know what? If you're really good down and dirty, like Kentucky, okay, Missouri, they're having good years this year, but Mississippi State, Florida over the last several years, like just a bunch of average teams. And they say, oh, they play in the SEC. So they get beat up. Well, they still play each other. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, right? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> the doormat, the perennial doormat. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, well, it's the SEC, it's the SEC. Kiss my ass. Like, yeah. they're not any good. It doesn't uh, matter who they play. It just I means know. more, Cameron. It no, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, I mean, Auburn. Come on. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and I will say Alabama's having a little bit of a down year, but Texas rolled right in there and took care of business. I mean, yeah. and, Texas is a good football team, but are they? I mean, that the last time Texas played Georgia, they beat them in the Sugar Point. Oh well, they didn't play. They didn't. They those guys didn't play. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, was it? A, well, I think a two or three. Do those guys make a two or three touchdown difference? Oh, I love this. I can see how passionate you are about this. It's, it's, yeah, I know it's just, I mean, don't you just think about like, like 12, strict, 15 hours a day. A, it's strictly a business move, which I completely understand. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, a, and, and that's, I mean, money, money yeah. talks. I, uh, I got one more for you. Back okay. to the Phillies for a second. You're a Phillies minor leaguer. As a prospect, can you rank from best to worst 
places to live. So you played in Williamsport, you played in Clearwater, you played in Reading, and then you played in Lehigh Valley. So one being the best, four being the worst. Can you rank those? Okay, so when I was in Williamsport, I had a host family, which was great. They were awesome. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I had a a beautiful home to live in, a great family. But nothing to do. Yeah, there was. I mean, they they had a they had this bar or club, I guess you call it, but it was an old prison house, like an old prison, like from. I don't know. I went there one time. I can't remember what the place was called. Um, only once. I only went there once. I didn't have a car. I didn't have any transportation. It's true, you know, it wasn't Uber really bad. Well, I guess we were a little bit. Better. No, there was no Uber back yeah. then. There was yellow cats. Is it called the cell block? Yeah, that's what it is. Right, yeah. 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 And I uh, in uh, jail bar Williamsport, a very narrow, <laughs> narrowly defined. Yeah, and I'll tell you a funny story about that. I'm not gonna name any names, but uh one night a bunch of us went out there and our manager happened to drive by while one of the guys was standing in line, and the next day he came in sick. And he didn't say anything about it, but until the following day, he was like, hey, I saw you standing outside waiting to go in. The next time that happens, which is fine, you're grown, you're an adult, do what you want. You better be ready to play. I don't care what, how sick you are, hungover, whatever, you're in there. If you want to go out and freaking hoot with the owls, you better be able to soar with the eagles the next day. And uh, so that that town, uh, you know, you had the Little League World Series when I was there. Um, I got to go watch a couple of those games. Um, Lakewood, yeah, I'd probably say that's the worst one. Okay. Uh, now, but Clearwater is obviously the best. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can't beat that. Um, Reading, I really didn't spend that much time in Reading. Um, spent probably two and a half months there um before i went up to lehigh so that's probably going to be uh third and then lehigh valley i mean not a bad town uh not a whole lot to do in really any of them other than clearwater but um some good restaurants when, when you're getting optioned back and forth from like philadelphia to lehigh we used to have a joke about it because like bryson stopped for a little bit was like coming up to philadelphia then he was going all the way back to lehigh coming up to philly going back to lehigh. It's, it's happened with a bunch of people it happens with mm-hmm. the sixers they go out to delaware they come back to philadelphia right do they do they uber you out there are you driving out there do they fly on a helicopter like <laughs> <laughs> well, i like, promise you they don't give you a helicopter okay yeah um yeah it's such a close uh commute that um you get i mean it's an hour and 15 minutes maybe i feel like that'd be so much longer no it's it's 75 miles maybe Mm. um so you drive but you rack up a lot of hotel points let me tell you there you go there you go well, Matt awesome. Veerling was living that's at Matt how some of my, That's how I'm such a high uh, member in Marriott. <laughs> You're like diamond platinum level. Like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and maybe we'll have you back on, you know, for the World Series run or something. Yeah, that'd be great. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it was a lot of fun. 
Go Cowboys. Go Phils. Uh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, wait for, we'll wait the second one. Okay. We'll All right. That out. You guys have a good day. All right. you t- take it easy. Thanks. We'll All right. Um, you have a you have a secret. You gave me a secret guest that was coming on midway through the show. I just looked at the, the chat. I was wondering she's why been she on before. Here. Is, uh, her, yeah, this is her second appearance. I think you were on vacation. We brought uh, we, we've got an intern Grace with us here to yeah. So Grace What's is out that? in Arizona. Where are you at? Arizona State. Arizona State. Yeah, I'm. I'm just sorry. I'm still reeling from Go Cowboys and Go Phils being said in the same sentence. Yeah. That's, that's not gross. Right. gross. I will give Cameron Rupp one thing. And I don't know if he goes by Cam, but I'm going to start calling him Cam. I'm, I'm going to I'll give Cam one thing. During the 2018 playoff run, you can go back on his Instagram. He was rooting for the Eagles. So you okay. know what? I will let that slide, that go Cowboys. That's the first go but Cowboys. He's, a real, he's a real Cowboys fan, though. Right? It's, it's true, too. He's from Texas. He grew up down there. Yeah, it's not like he was born in like North Philadelphia or like Delco, <laughs> and he's like a Cowboys fan. Yeah. 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 I know I've told this story before, but when I went down to Texas, the Cowboys fans who were like actually from there, were some of the nicest people and some of the most knowledgeable people. Like, but he just reinforces the cockroach thing from up here. It's know? it's me, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, go down to South Bend. They're the nicest people in the world. You got the Notre Dame, <laughs> Northeast Philly people. It's like you don't want to do anything. You don't even want to be around them and everything. So, Grace, you're out there in Arizona? Yes. What's it like out there? Is it, uh, is it, is it what, maroon October, I guess? They're, that's their color out there? Is it, what's it like? Uh, well, right now in Arizona, it's Phoenix Suns preseason. Really? That is all dominating. Is that who's dominating the airways right now? I mean, they're talking about preseason. They're talking about like I, I actually walked so I, from my apartment, I can walk over to Chase Field. I walked over yesterday to help my friend like film a little segment. And it's just I saw so many more people walking by and in Phoenix Suns colors heading to their open practice than I did in D backs colors anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're like us last year, except they're just like happy to be there, but yeah, they yeah. really couldn't care less. It's really interesting. What's the what's the attendance going to be like? You think game three, game four? Is it going to be a lot of you think Philadelphia transplants? How does Philadelphia, you know, uh, consider when it's like transplants? So is there a lot of transplants from the East Coast over there? Yes. Yeah. No. Last year I went to the Eagles Cardinals game out here in October, and I swear to God it must have been like sixty forty Eagles fans. The Cardinals got booed coming into their own stadium. Uh, it was really impressive. Yeah, there's a lot of Philly transplants here. My friend, my friends, every time we see like a Philly sports magnet or something out there, they'll be like, you're like an infectious disease or something. Like, I know. But (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's everywhere. But yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot considering the get in price for game three on StubHub right now is $66. Jesus. I just checked this morning. It's 66. I'm hoping to go to game three. Fly out there and get a ticket. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It would be. Damn. Yeah, that's funny. I so it's um well, are there a lot of uh I mean Arizona's a popular like retirement spot too, right? I mean like, people move out west, right? So it's not I mean like Arizona is is there Arizona, Florida parallels, I guess. There's a lot of expats down there too, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. especially over in like Scottsdale, it's one of the suburbs. Scottsdale is yeah. I call like the Florida of the Florida Arizona. of Arizona. Oh, it oh. really is. Cause I mean, I can't tell you how many times like I've been getting in an Uber just to go to somewhere else. And the Uber driver will be like, oh, where are you guys from? I'm like, I'm from Philly. They're like, no way. I moved out here because it's too cold out there. And there was one guy who even was road tripping across the country. He's like, look, I've got my Easy Pass on the dashboard. I'm like, no way. Wait, is Easy Pass not anywhere else? Not in Arizona. Oh, Easy? 
I no, thought it was like, it's a, it's like a, a regional lot of thing. You don't realize are just Philly things until you right. go out there. So yeah. Yeah. Easy Pass is not a countrywide thing. Not you know, they, have other, they, they have other easy passes. I don't know. Yeah. Do the easy passes work like on Route 66 if like you're driving through like the Rust Belt? Like, can I do I have to stop because I don't have the Arizona pass or the AZ pass or everything? I have no idea. I mean, I assume it would work, but it was just he specifically pointed it out. He's like, look, I got my easy pass Ooh. on the dash, I, which I, I just thought was yeah. very funny. They're having fun with Grace's Italian. They are. I'm looking at it. Yeah, this is this is the Sunday gravy on the stove in Arizona. We love the Paisans coming on here. And San Filippo, Grace Del Paiso. Yeah, yeah. Any yeah. any any uh, any Paisans that come on here are always welcome. So wait, so it's number one. So number one is the Phoenix Suns out there. Yes. Arizona Arizona basketball has been huge for forever, of course. Um, what's number What's number two? pro sport out there um i would say the cardinals but really between the suns and everything else it's just such a massive difference suns that's fascinating yeah i mean the suns are if you look at the rest of arizona sports there's there's really not a whole lot yeah it was probably arizona basketball in the 90s it was number two with lute olsen and uh and those guys (laughs) lute olsen (laughs) (laughs) like four hours outside the city it was probably number two Well, they're pretty good again. Yeah, I mean, I remember, yeah, Arizona basketball is as big as, you know, Duke and UCLA and all of them back then. I guess that probably, but that's just crazy. I don't really think of the Phoenix Suns as being, I mean, yeah, they have been good recently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the past yeah. couple decades, they've been pretty, pretty good yeah. consistently. You got like Barkley and Nash and everything. So it's just, and honestly, if you look at the rest of Arizona sports, there's not a whole lot. There's, there's pretty slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rest of yeah. it, success. So that's, yeah, I mean, it, it's the Suns and then everything else. How are they treating my boy out there? Are they taking care of my boy, Jonathan Gannon? Do they understand what they have in him? Oh <laughs> Q Gannon. Do they understand the defensive genius they have? They <laughs> played the Rams pretty hard for about a quarter and a half last night. They're, they're trying to argue with me that the Cardinals didn't actually, that he didn't actually throw the Super Bowl. I've great. Stop it. I've gotten in multiple arguments. It's funny. I was in a meeting with like, so I'm on the board of my radio station and there's like a student media board, which is like the leaders of the radio station and a couple other people in the Arizona area. And I was arguing with a guy who had a Cardinal shirt on and I didn't know who he was. I was just like going back and forth with him before the meeting. I was in an Eagle shirt and then like everyone's introducing themselves. He's like, Oh, I'm so-and-so I write for the Cardinals. I'm like, Oh, oops, yeah. oops, oops, but yeah, no, and, it, tra- it, and you tried to tell him that Jonathan Gannon threw the Super Bowl. Well, I didn't say that in such words, I just said he wasn't as invested as he maybe could have slept, should have been. God damn it, Grace. How much time do you need people to prepare for the Super Bowl? Me and Kevin have talked to this at length. I mean, you have two weeks to prepare. Do you need, you know, any more days? Like uh, all of a sudden, you've got every you got all your defensive game plan in order and everything. You're good. If you want to go talk to the Cardinals on the side, if, if if Monty calls, like, why not? Why not look for your next job as you're working your, you know, was he technically quiet quitting? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. he might have been, but you yeah. know what? He prepared for the game. He just went up against one of the greatest coaching and QB duos of all time. And you know what? Maybe he got beat on the same play, back-to-back drives. Maybe he did. But Maybe you know he was dancing around in the locker what? room afterward. Who knows? Guess, no, 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 no. We do not. We do not confirm Marcus Hayes' reports on this program. Okay, <laughs> no reports with Marcus Hayes are confirmed on this program. I'm just saying. 
The Eagles scored 35 points. Jonathan Gannon's defense gave up 31. No, so yeah, I'm, no, that's true. That's true. I was, I was just going back and forth with them. But, so yeah, no, they, they like Jonathan Gannon out here. I think they're kind of skeptical yeah, still. I mean, you try to win with Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. I, I, I think know. everybody's got to frame this properly. They're not they're, trying to get Caleb Williams next year. I think there you go. There you go. They're not even really supposed to be be winning. So any judgment of Jonathan Gannon this year is not is n slash a. It's not a, not applicable, right? Yeah. Um, let me let me ask you this, Grace. What are we? What about the Diamondbacks? Can we? Um, is there to dislike? Like, what do we not like about them? I need something to latch onto. Oh, I feel sure. very ambivalent there's not a whole lot i've been trying to find something too because i mean i go to class there's a ton of d-backs fans i like will go back and forth with them a lot there's just not a whole lot like they're Mm -hmm. really likable yeah Yeah. Yeah. i feel like you're just like like grace you were talking about like the suns and everything like you you grow up and like okay you're gonna be a suns fan you're gonna be a cardinals fan and then you just kind of be like oh okay it's march you know nothing's going on uh, you know, we'll wait till June for the playoffs. Oh, the Suns lose again. All right, it's June to August, and I have to be a Diamondbacks fan because what else am I going to do in the city of Phoenix? And I feel like you're just like pushed into being like a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah, I mean, basically, like the Diamondbacks fans are just they will wear the merch because I, I the Diamondbacks do have very nice merch and logos and stuff and colors, mm-hmm. like especially the throwbacks with the purple and teal, purple, like those yeah. are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, they, haven't, they haven't been around that long though like the diamondbacks have only been around since like 98 or something like yeah. that i do remember i got a soft spot for the diamondbacks though, because that world series that they won mm-hmm. was one of the best world series well, i've ever watched Yan- yankees fan kyle hates the diamondbacks because that was 2001 9 11 happens that should have been the new york uh, i watched that documentary all the time that documentary on the on the season that uh that they did for yeah, the yankees. yeah 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 right, right. they should have won but have you ever told the story? I think a lot of you guys very angry. Um, was not born in 2001. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, so I, <laughs> see, that doesn't make me angry anymore because I meet people I feel like that I that are born in 2003 now. It's wild. No, I was crazy. born in 2002, yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What were you saying, well, Kev? Uh, well, I feel old now. But uh, no, I, I don't think you've ever told the story of how you why you were a Yankees fan. I just love the core four. Love Posada, love Bernie, loved... Uh, Loved Andy Pettit and loved Jeter. Just loved so, But you weren't, but were you not a Phillies fan? Yeah, I rooted for, I rooted for the Phillies, but like they sucked in the 90s. Like they sucked stuff. in the early yeah. 2000s. Like, yeah. I mean, it was like, and I guess it was an AL team, so it softens the blow a little bit. In 2009, like, I don't know, I was kind of like. you just Your AL team just happened to be the greatest team of all time. Yeah, well, a lot of people in the Phillies NFC team was the Cowboys, okay? So I don't want to talk, I don't want to hear it. It's like when they when they had when they did all those articles back in the day. It's like if you're going to get into the Premier League, you got to pick a team. And like, oh, I'm going to pick uh, Manchester City. Oh, yeah, that's who I picked. Well, exactly, <laughs> was my team. greatest team of the last yeah. ten years. You know, yeah. so that was my team when uh, they got all the oil money. And then I was like, all right, this is too boring. I should become a Tottenham fan so I can actually feel something. Yeah. Um, Grace, you ever been to the pool out there in Chasefield? I have not been to the pool, no, but it looks pretty fun. Do people actually go into the pool? Have you have you heard about people that go into the pool? Do they, yeah, they shock the pool buy, with like, chemicals after everybody was in there? I hope. I like, think so. I, mean, I think you can buy like tickets specifically for the pool. Ten thousand dollars. Yeah. To re- no, did you know that, Kev? It's a ten thousand ten thousand dollars to reserve the uh, the pool. And Chase Field's not like a very good ballpark to begin with, so like ten thousand is nuts. Are you uh, are you team retractable roof or are you team open air concept? 
Ooh, in Arizona, I'm team retractable roof simply because I've been to games where it's been 105 degrees outside and you walk into that stadium and you're like, thank God. But um, for places like Philly, (laughs) for places like Philly, yeah, it would, I I like the open air concept. I'm not really a big dome person. But retractable roof, you can have both, the best of both worlds. Yeah, no, in Arizona especially, it was open the other night, it was gorgeous. Like Citizens Bank Park, the next one they they make on top uh, when when they knock down Citizens Bank Park should come with a retractable roof. There's no reason, and I know it doesn't rain in in Arizona, so that's like mm-hmm. beside the point. But there's no reason why a baseball game in 2023, 2024, and and beyond should be uh, rained out because of weather. I'm team retractable roof. So it like works in Arizona. I, like somewhere like Philly, it's just I feel like it could go either way. No, but you can still have the open air concept on like a nice, beautiful 50 degree day in October. But like yeah. game three last year on the World Series got rained out. There's no reason why game three should be getting rained out in the 2020s. He's holding on to the retractable roof thing. It's like because I'm giving you the best of both worlds for people who hate roofs and you just look <laughs> at it and it's like, okay, it maybe takes up like, like it takes up like half the stadium, right? Like once it's open, like you could see the air. I don't think, I think people think of like, the Dallas Cowboys dome where they had like that little like rectangle in the middle and it would always, always oddly shine on. It was like, so God could watch the Cowboys and it would just weirdly shine in the middle of the field. Like, no, I'm talking about open air, but when it's raining or snowing or, or 30 degrees out in the middle of March, just retract the roof a little bit, you know, and have a comfortable, uh, have a comfortable climate. Inside. You're very you're very passionate about that. I appreciate I appreciate the passion that you're showing for that that topic. Grace, Football, did you find, whatever. Okay, fair enough. Did you find tickets? I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm going across okay. like services and stuff. I'm gonna go to game four. I would go to game three because that's the much less expensive one, but it yeah. is at that's because it's at 2 p.m. on a Thursday, and mm. I have class at 2 p.m. on a Thursday. So okay. Well, we're 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 working on getting Grace to cut oh, class for that shit. one. That's gonna um, be 2 p.m. on a Thursday in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be 5 p.m. for you guys, but yeah, I mean it's a middle of the day. Yeah. Not that's ideal. Crazy. Not ideal. What is baseball uh, doing? I don't know. Grace is going to be our official um, West Coast correspondent for this series, though. So, um, yeah, give her a follow. You got the people listening. You want to, What do you want to say? You can say anything you want. You want to give me your Twitter handle? You've got like, a, what, do you, what do you want them to know? Sure. I mean, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter. It's just at Grace Del Pizzo. So it's just straight up. My name says down there. It's just okay. that. Um, I usually just mostly tweet about Philly sports. Occasionally I will retweet stuff for like my student radio station, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it. I mean, I try to make lots of jokes. My friends commend me on my reaction pictures all the time. So I'll be funny. There you go. Can people listen to you on your Hmm? student radio station? If they really want more grace content, can they listen to you on your, on your radio station? You want to plug that? Really, really. If they really, really want to, I have one radio show on the air right now, but it airs at like 1am Eastern time on Wednesdays. We might have some truck drivers that listen to the show. (laughs) Been there and done that. That was my college shift. It was the old midnight to 3am. So yeah. Don't miss that one at all. Yeah. All right, Grace. Good job. Um, Get your stuff ready and get ready for class. All right. Wait, Grace, one more, one more, one more question. Where are you from originally? I'm from Delco. So I'm from Brumal. Yeah. The legend just continues to grow. I fucking love it. The Paisan from Delco. You're basically Aunt Sam Filippo in, in girl version. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad went to high school with Sam Filippo. That's okay. That makes well, there more you go. Sense. Delco, the Delco Italian connection is strong. So, oh, man. All right. 
Hey. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. All right. Intern cool. Grace, everybody. There you go. Cool. Um, anything else? God, they need no. to win today. The Phils need to win today. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I feel kind of weird about this one. I I I don't like everybody picking the Phillies, but they are the better team. They but at least you found team. one. But we should what? At least you found one person who didn't I pick did the Phillies. So it's not like the uh the meme um when when you Sunday night football and all the analysts take you know a certain team, like probably <laughs> last night when the Buffalo yeah. Bills were playing against the Giants. Yeah. Um, the Phillies aren't going to do any kind of dumb shit like on top of that. They're not. They're not. You know. They're not going to give any bulletin board material. I, I don't think there's anything that that's like unsaid. I think the D backs know what they are. They know they're a six seed. They mm-hmm. know they're playing well right now, but they know they're on a Cinderella kind of run. I mean, the Phillies just did it last year. I don't think there's going to be any uh, naivete or, um, you know, f- not, you know, giving this series uh, or the D backs the appropriate respect and. They'll do I, diligence. You know, I don't I don't see I don't see the Phillies like over. I don't think you can overlook anybody in the NLCS, right? I mean, is that ever no, and I think the Phillies kind of look at themselves as underdogs still in a weird way. Like, you know, they might have one of the most expensive payrolls in baseball, but I still think they kind of look at each, at themselves and it was good because we played, you know, a juggernaut like the Braves and beat the Braves. That I think people still and that team still kind of looks at themselves like underdogs. Like, I don't think, that, like you said, you, they're not getting ahead of their skis. They're not doing any bulletin board material other than, I mean, if you want to say Garrett Stubbs being in the locker room, being like, whoever the fuck we play next when he's singing, uh, uh, was it Dick Down in Dallas or something like that? One of the country yeah. songs they have on the playlist. Like, yeah, I, I, I still believe that, like, this team is focused and they're not, like, overlooking, you know, who we playing. Are we playing Tex- Texas or are we playing Houston? So. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all business. Like, you know, I think they, uh, I think the D-backs will give them a test, but, uh, I think it's kind of like the San Diego series last year. I just feel like the Phils are, are on a better a loser franchise is not coming in here and going to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't They got some good players, man. But I mean, who in that D-backs lineup? Like, do you really say, oh, you know, I'm like, I'm worried. Corey about Carroll. This guy. Corey Carroll. Oh, yeah. Allen's a really good pitcher. Yeah, I, I just but, but I don't. I'm I, if, the, if the Phillies play the way that they're capable of playing. Then they're going to win this thing in probably like six, you know. Or five yeah, the or Dodgers six. had no pitching either, and, and and we're throwing our first two aces in the first game. I mean, the pitching just lined up perfectly. And after the first two pitchers, the Diamondbacks really don't have a game three, game four starter. And now Rangers coming alive and everything. You know, game four, Chris Sanchez or Taiwan Walker. It's probably going to be Taiwan Walker. So you know, you're going to hold on to your butt store in that game. But hopefully, they're up like three one then or three zero then or something like that or two one. Sorry, two one yeah. or three zero then, and we yeah. don't even worry about it. So. Yeah, I mean, I think home home field is huge, and I don't know. I just I, f- I feel confident about the Phils. I just I can't help but be a little weirded out by how many people are picking them. But I think this team's different. I think they'll handle business. Yeah, because they're on fire. All right. Well, hey, we'll talk to you on Wednesday when uh, hopefully the Phils are up two nothing in the series. Um, have a good rest of the day. Talk to you. Go Phils.